Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Live from a nice three-bedroom, two-bathroom, single-family home in Lubbock, Texas, the material available in this podcast is for informational and advertising purposes only. Stamp Show here today endeavors to keep all information up to date, but strongly encourages buyers to check with the state, county, and or city offices for square footages of the homes and lot sizes. Buyers should also verify with schools regarding school attendance and districting. What the heck? This is the award-winning Stamp Show here today, episode number 272, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Tom. <laughs> this was Cash. This is Scott. This is Mark. This is Albert. This is Becca. This is Stan. Today we are discussing postal stationery color varieties. Yes! Disgusting. All right. <laughs> That's because we missed it so many times before. So uh, I, I like that this was Cash. You're already, you're already <laughs> checked out. <laughs> well, we kind of figured that, didn't we? <laughs> but first... Of course, there's a button. Today first. here at PSE, we received our one bazillionth call from a person about a Scott number 596. <laughs> this is the one cent Franklin stamp printed perf 11 by Rotary Press. Actually, it'd be printed by Rotary Press and perforated 11 after that. For those who are unaware, if you find one of these, you can buy a house. Admittedly, not a big house, but a nice cozy house and maybe a not-so-great neighborhood. But it won't be in the worst neighborhood and maybe just in an expensive state. If you find a mint one, you're looking at prime real estate. So briefly, there are two issues that people call us about. The first is number 594, which is also a one-cent Franklin stamp printed rotary press as well. This is a variety of coil waste, but unlike 579, it had not previously been perforated. Let's talk about coil waste. Coil waste was a plan devised by the Bureau of Printing just after World War I in 1919 to use some of the, un, some of the scrap postage that was left over from making coil stamps. This scrap was existed because... The plates that they were using on rotary press, which were 170 uh, uh, stamps per pane, you, there was always something left over because you couldn't make coil rolls of 500 stamps. So this stuff was being actually thrown away. So the Bureau came up with a way to take these stamps and perforate them with the current Perf 11 pen and distribute them. So they're, uh, they're distinctly different than the flat press stamps which is what they're normally confused as. So, yeah, it was basically austerity after World War I. Everybody in government was conserving money, and uh, they didn't want to throw things away that they didn't have to. These were therefore perforated both horizontally and vertically on flatbed machines specifically set to take this type of sheet. The total supply was very limited, and as most dealers and collectors at the time did not have knowledge of their existence, they failed to obtain them, and it is therefore quite scarce today. 
Today, many collectors fail to recognize this variety as the Perf 11 perforations are the same as the flat plate issue, with the only difference being that the width is a fingernail thickness wider. This is because these stamps were printed from printing roller plates, like you see in the newspaper montages in old movies, versus the flat plate printing presses you see in the Revolutionary War recreations. Well, let's talk about rotary press now. Um, rotary press sheets, rotary press plates, um, after they've been certified, they still have not been hardened, require additional machining. They are actually curved to fit the press cylinder, and gripper slots are cut into the back of each plate to receive the grippers, which hold the plate securely to the press. Because they're actually, they're actually stretched by putting it over a curved, a curved bed, you, that's how come they get a little bit longer or a little bit wider, depending on how, what you're printing. Um, rotary press plate is not hardened until all these additional processes are completed. So, so looking for that silly little half millimeter or quarter millimeter longer is the difference in, in the stamps. As well as if you're a knowledgeable person, there's actual differences in the color and the impression. Yeah, so the plate actually has thickness. It's a thicker piece of metal. So if you imagine as you bend the plate into a cylinder, the outside will actually be stretched a little bit. So that's what makes rotary press stamps slightly bigger in whichever direction they are stretching the plate. So if you could imagine like a really thick piece of rubber, as you bend the piece of rubber, the outside edge is going to stretch a little bit. And that's this additional size. And again, we're dealing with a distance like the thickness of your fingernail. Uh, I would say in many cases less than that. Yeah. I mean, you're talking as small as a quarter of a millimeter. Yeah, I'm thinking of like uh, 104.1 and 104.1A, I believe, the the uh, three cent Liberty. It's like very, it's like a very small difference. And actually, we don't even measure it. We have a little template we use on the precision gauge, and you line the stamp up on the precision gauge, and it will show you because trying to measure, and I see people who uh, send us pictures. Actually, we do both, Cash. Yeah, and they'll put it next to like a ruler. And I have to explain to people that... It's like a grade school ruler, too. Yeah, it's like, it's like a wooden metal, ruler. Metal-edged wood ruler. Yeah. And the thickness that you're looking to differentiate is like half the size of the line on the ruler that you're trying to read. What I do to differentiate my Washington Franklin's flat plate from rotary press is I'll take a Scott 499 and I'll cut the corners off of each side so that when I put it up against uh, the stamp that I'm trying to investigate, um, if it matches exactly, you know, top, bottom, left, right, it's flat. If it's, yep. you know, if the bottom stamp is bigger in either side, then it's the rotary. That's actually a good expertizing technique that, that we can spend it a minute on um, that works for a lot of different stamps the three cent liberty or the excuse me the eight cent liberty that's printed rotary and flat plate oh, yeah, eight cent, yeah. works on that uh, it works on uh, the special booklet papers that are newly listed in the 2020 catalog 
um, for the fourth bureau flat plates, and also there's a couple, and there's a special delivery and a airmail stamp also in that group, as well as the special handling stamps that are on special booklet paper and a template for those generally works uh, extremely well. It's quick. It's quick and dirty. It's very easy to tell these things apart. A lot of the Washington Franklin. Yeah, the Washington. It it works with the Washington Franklins as well. Get a cheap uh, wash example and cut the corners off. And I would, I would say even, even better. I would put a piece of um, clear tape on the stamp before you cut the corners off uh, to just so that it doesn't wear out quite as quickly. Yeah, make a sort of permanent one that way, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and that it, it's basically real easy. You just plop it down on top of the question, your, the stamp you have in question, and if it matches, it is. If it doesn't match, it's the other one. And because it's a binary choice, it's a real easy and accurate way to uh, have these examples. Yeah, so what you're going to do is you're going to line up the stamp, and then because you lopped the corners off, you'll be able to see the stamp underneath it. Right. You basically line up the design so that the design matches perfectly, and you start with one corner, and then you move it to the the other corners uh, following the frame lines, and if... You know, if it's the size is different, you'll know it fairly quickly. Yeah, and do it on a cheap stamp. Don't well, chop yeah. the corner. Don't accidentally yeah. do it on the expensive one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. And there's and it's real easy to do with a cheap stamp. Uh, I mean, you just just go get a six thirty two or a, a five fifty one or you know any five fifty two any of these and stamps. They're, they're all the same size, so it's not like. Oh, I have a two center. I need a one center. No, the one center and the two center are well, the same size. Well, it's like for the special booklet papers. Yeah. They're all on the higher values, but my template is a half cent stamp. Yeah. So uh, it, it's real easy to get a cheap stamp, uh, whereas some of these other ones may be a little more expensive, especially if you're using a mint stamp. You know, you use an inexpensive stamp. I'm using a three cent um Washington. Yep. For my template. There you go. But it's definitely a quick and dirty uh, expertizing technique that uh, is helpful when for anybody. And if it's que- and if it's questionable, then you send it in to get a certificate. If if it's you know if it's clearly matches up the the normal the common variety, then you've just saved yourself the expertizing fee and all the heartache. Yep. But if, if it doesn't call. match or if, if it doesn't match or if it's questionable, then send it in. And all the phone calls to Cash. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Cash enjoys those phone calls. Oh yeah, you sit there. Oh yeah. Well, you know, oh, whatever. <laughs> so Albert, on the on the rotary press printing, the path of the paper is different than the flat press, right? Yes, that's correct. So Cause the because the press is because the cylinder is actually rotating. So it's like a roll of paper versus yes. individual versus sheets. Versus a sheet That's of paper. Correct. It's a right. roll So of instead paper. of printing the image all at once where a flat plate comes straight down onto the paper, the rotary press actually starts at one end of the design, and as the, the cylinder rolls, it prints the design. 
Yeah, it's like uh, when people, like I said, when you see the newspaper, yes. you see all the piece, the right. paper shooting through the newspaper. So when you get when you get slippage on a rotary press, you'll actually see the design smear in one in the direction of the paper travel. Whereas on a, on a flat plate, uh, if there's like an air underneath the sheet when the plate comes down, it can move in any direction. And on the flat plate printing, the paper is stacked right after it gets printed. So often you get some of the ink from the stamp below to hit the back of the stamp above. Right. That's called offset or set off, depending on what depending right. on what term you'd like to use. So if you're looking for a 596 or a 594, you should not see any of that. That's correct. If you see – oh, and I've had uh, conversations with people where I say, look at the back. Do you see any green ink? And they say, oh, just a little spot. And you go, well, that's that's all you need to see to know well, that you haven't got the right one. I, th there is a caveat on that. And uh, I worked with the guy who specializes in special handling stamps. And uh, we were talking about the, the wet and the dry uh, printings. And the, the dry printings are all on pre-gummed paper. Oh. And even though it's a flat plate printed stamp... Uh, on the pre-gummed paper, you obviously are not going to get yeah. offset ink underneath the gum. But that's not entirely true because if you have a really microscopic bubble in the gum and it causes a small microscopic gum skip that you really can't see, the ink can get through that. And so what we did find is that even on the pre-gummed paper, occasionally you have tiny specks of uh, ink that do make it through the gum. So it's possible that that could also occur on a rotary press. Although it's extremely rare, it's possible. And it's not possible on the 594s or 596s. Never say never. Okay, never. <laughs> it, it is possible. Uh, we just have never seen one. But it, <laughs> if, if you have... But more like fractions of a percent. Yeah. It, it would be like a pinprick point, and it would probably be missed by the average person just looking at it so it would appear that there wouldn't be any there yes but when you put it under 40 power you might be able to find something yeah well most of the stamps were also very poorly centered and they were used for postage or discarded due to uncollectability the catalog value on this stamp is 65,000 mint and 10,000 used so we are not at house level buying, but we are at a major kitchen remodel territory. Oh, you can buy or a nice, or can nice buy a, down payment. You can buy a tiny house for that. Oh, I found a or uh, an RV. Or you can buy an RV. Ah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay. I don't know. I've seen some RVs of one hundred fifty thousand dollars before you can even touch them. And we of course say that because Stan is traveling around in an RV right now. Right now, sitting that in his RV. So a five ninety four. In used condition, can buy you an RV, and a 594 in mint condition can buy you three and a half acres in Greene County, New York, with a mobile home on it. So, we are indeed looking at uh, real estate here. How many stamps you can? How many stamps you need to find to buy real estate? You know, sixty-five thousand dollars would be a good down payment on a nice house, if yeah. not actually buy it. Well, if you yeah, want, if you want to go to 
if you want to go to the farm country in Iowa, you could probably buy the whole house for sixty-five grand. If you want to go to Orange County, California, you might not even make the ten percent deposit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is I, true. And I blew my mom's mind the other day when we used to have a townhome in Irvine in Orange County, and we were talking about how prices have gone up so much. And I looked up our old address and I said, so you want to know how much your, uh, your old townhome is going for today? And she's like, what? And I'm like, $727,000 for a three-bedroom, two-and-a-half-bath townhome. Mm-hmm. So you're connected. Yep. Postage stamp backyard, two-car garage, that's it. I'm like, she just laughed. Because, <laughs> you know, of course, she now lives on you know four acres in Tennessee for <laughs> probably – under a hundred thousand. So now to the five ninety six, the big one. Five ninety six is a slightly taller design than both the flat plate printing and the rotary coil waste printing five ninety four stamp, due to the direction it was rolled around the rotary press cylinder. Five ninety four is approximately twenty two and a quarter millimeters tall, while this stamp is twenty two and a half. Just a note. The difference in size is about the thickness of your fingernail. Again, I've never measured my fingernail, so I don't know. Eight of the 596 stamps have Kansas City pre-cancels, and there are no mint copies known. Does that mean eight of the known 596s have Kansas City pre-cancels? Eight of the authenticated ones. Ah. Those are uh, Missouri, right? Yes. Yes. Catalog value on one of these puppies is $175,000, or a three-bedroom, two-bath, 1,870-foot square home that we are currently talking from in Lubbock, Texas. <laughs> That's on a 7,500-square-foot lot, by the way, with a manicured lawn, a stone facade, and nice landscaping in a residential community. Check your brokers for uh, more information. Yeah, tell, tell, me again why we don't, that. tell me again why we don't live in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I keep asking why we're not in Tennessee, but, you know, that's a whole other conversation. So, Albert, you actually located a 596. Why don't you tell everybody about that one? Um, I I've happened to have seen the original one of the original discovery copies from the 30s that was discussed by Joel. And it's now in a collection in Texas, speaking <laughs> coincidentally. And... Um, I happened to be involved in the purchase of a collection of pre-cancels back maybe 25 or 30 years ago. And while looking through the, through the collection of pre-cancels, I always look for the one-cent stamp that had the Kansas City pre-cancel. And lo and behold, it was it was not sound, but it was it was uh, a 596. And at that time, when it was sold, it brought like $24,000 in a Shreve sale. So that's it's a happy it's a happy accident. Um, I keep, I've always kept looking for some of the rarest stamps, and I found a number of the coilways. I found 539, 544 in a postcard. Um, but the 596 was the best, it was the best stamp that I ever found, but it was obviously previously found by the, fa- by the guy who put the pre-cancel collection together. It was just that um, his family didn't know what, he, what they had. Oh, yeah. But 594 is also, those, those are... Uh Tough ones, and 
I guess you can actually kind of find a 594. I mean, the, the chances well, are the five, zero. The 594 but. comes up slightly more often at auction than a 596 does. Yeah. A gentleman who collects, I understand that a gentleman who um, went through 6,000 stamps and had, he's a dealer and he had, he had a holding of, of the one centers, uh, all used, went through it and found one, one he said he went through 6,000 stamps. So I have to think that, uh, yes, he was well paid in one, one, one sense, <laughs> but if you look at 6,000 stamps, even using the, uh, the template method, you are still spending hours and hours and hours. Yeah, not to mention the uh, googly eye effect. Well, <laughs> also, 6,000 stamps, the odds of finding one in 6,000 stamps is still incredibly small. It's not like, well, I'll get 6,000 and probably find one. It's like, no, you get 6,000, you have zero chance. He just happened to be lucky. Since we've had this publicity originally through, I guess, an American philatelic, American philatelist article about finding a 594 or finding a 596, there have been probably a half a dozen that have been found. I know that in the rarity sale this year at Rarity Siegel Auction Galleries, they had a new pair that had been discovered in the last year, which was very fine, and sold for, I think, 90% of catalog or 30, mm. 30, about $30,000. But that, that's that's the, the good thing about this publicity is the that probably the population has gone up there were about 85 or 90 copies known before the publicity came in, and now there's about 105 or 110 copies. Well, I think publicity has two effects. One, it stimulates people to look at what they have, and two, it kind of provides a primer education on how to recognize it when you do have one. Now, the bad thing that's happened is, is that unknowledgeable people have walked into more than one stamp uh, stamp shop or gone to a stamp show or something, bringing a cover that had one-cent stamps on it or just some stray one-cent stamps that they found in their attic. And they think that the, de the stamp dealer is defrauding them when they say that they don't have the 594 or 596. But the, but the vast majority of the time, it's going to be the more common issue. Oh, of course. Yeah, and, and the nice thing is, is for us is we don't, buy and sell we only evaluate so um, yeah how are we, we stealing we, from yeah you? <laughs> how are we stealing from you we're just kind of bursting your bubble it's it's disappointing yes but at the same time we have no monetary interest in in giving you a well actually a yes we do no. we, we only we if could, we're issuing a certificate if, if you come in and show it to yeah. us there's no cost other than for you to get here to show it to us and us taking our time so we have no investment monetarily in it other than a couple of minutes to take a look at the item and tell you yes or no and uh, but if you want to submit it to us for a certificate then yeah we would have a financial interest but uh, but then we'd destroy our credibility by putting out a whole bunch of 596 certificates but if it's not it's not and we only take 30 bucks yeah and actually yeah. we and take five is, <laughs> Well, we, we return these things. We charge people five bucks because we have to if return we it. Issue, if we don't issue a certificate. Yeah. If we issue a certificate, you pay the normal $30 fee. Yeah. Uh, but if we issue a certificate and it is genuine. Oh, uh, you're going to pay I, 600 bucks? I, 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 you pay 600 bucks, but I think you're more than happy to get the 600 bucks oh, because yeah. now you can go to a, an auction house like Top of the Line Siegel Auction Galleries and 
and uh, and they'll take it because they won't even look at it until you have a certificate on it. But they're happy to sell it once you have that certificate, and they're happy to get you a whole boatload of money. Well, and again, this is a true story. The person who called today really did call this as a true story. He told me that he had he has a 594. He had a 596 mint never hinged that was stolen from him, and he filed a police report. And just real quick, Albert, if he if there is a 596 mint never hinged, how much do you think it's worth? I would say even in average condition, it's worth $300,000 minimum. I would think that it would be more like... Half a million. Well, I happen to have here a listing of a Georgian-style home which sits on top of a hill on Greensall Road in Duluth, Minnesota. It was constructed for a family of a Minnesota lumber and mining executive in 1914. The house has a view of Lake Superior from its front porch and roof balcony. It has a roof balcony. There are six bedrooms, five bathrooms inside this 7,232 square foot house. It has four floors, including a sunroom, recently remodeled kitchen, formal dining area, recreation room, and a master suite. Outside the main house is an attached studio apartment, which can serve as additional housing. The house has a large garage with room for six cars. That's what you can get, in my opinion, with a Mint Never Hinge 596. I guess people should keep looking. (laughs) I'm still looking. I hadn't found one yet. Let me check my sheet file. (laughs) I always, just like Albert, I'm hoping that I win the lottery someday, but I always look at Kansas City pre-cancels. I am not in the mood for measuring 6,000 stamps, though. <laughs> Sometimes what, what, when, you're, when you get an idea of what you're trying to find, um, there are several other very expensive coilway stamps um, that are Washington Franklin hits, like Scott number 544 or Scott 539. I found both of them, and it's, I just had in my mind what I was going to look for. In the case of 539, which is the coil waste of the sheet of the coil stamp 491, um, I just started to look for that shade. Mm-hmm. And that's how I found it. I found it in a little little dealer store in, uh, in Minneapolis, and I bought it for, I, I think, a dollar as a used 499, and I was very happy to get the stamp. Um, well, let, let's go over here. Let's do this. What are some things that a person who has a one-cent Franklin stamp, they don't even know what perf 11 means. What are some things that they can look at that stamp and say, is this a house or is it a nickel? Well, I'd say one thing that we've already talked about is if the stamp has any kind of offset, it, yeah. it, it, it's a flat press stamp. So, so it turn it over first. So turn it over. Yeah. Um, I would say using the template method is, the, is the, really the best way for somebody who doesn't know that, but then they would have to know how to make a template out of any stamp and how to compare it. Um, and that's before they understand what, a, what perf 11 or perf 10 or whatever that term means. Um, 
I, I also think that 99 out of 100 people in the trade now um, are absolutely honest about something like that. So if you bring something into somebody who's who's a stamp store or a, or goes you go to a trade show, which we aren't having right now because of the COVID virus, um, that most people will tell you the truth about do you have something real or do you have something fake? Well, the, the cool thing about this is if you think that the dealer is ripping you off and you walk out with the stamp with him giving you absolutely no offer on the stamp, then he's probably not ripping you off. You probably honestly do not have a valuable stamp because the alternative for this quarter million dollar stamp is that it's a two cent stamp or a one cent stamp or a valueless stamp. So you're talking literally pennies that nobody is going to try to rip you off for. What about the uh, stamp color as, as uh, 594, 596, are they a distinctive color? They're, the they're, they're a little darker. They're, they're, yeah. they're, since they're coil waste, they're closer to that this is, it's, that coil, it's that coil color, which is a darker green color. Well, how about this? It's never the yellow-green cover. Correct. It's never that co color. That was a sudden. We didn't it have any other houses died. to compare yeah, it to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I was trying to think of something to say, and I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was like checked out for a minute, and I'm like, uh, wait, everyone, stop talking! <laughs> Just all of a sudden. Well, sorry, folks. It looks like we're out of time. But I but I can see the paper colors on the desk. <laughs> <laughs> next week, Mark. Till next time, we need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. You can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number if you are an APS member, as we are an affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our address is P.O. Box 539-309, Henderson, Nevada, 89053. You've been listening to Stamp Show here today, episode number 272. This was Tom. This is Cash. This was Scott. This was Mark. This was Albert. This is Becca. This is Stan. So he's, Cash checks out at the beginning of the show and checks in at the end. <laughs> You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.